0: out okay jay today we're talking about chapter 18 smarter not harder and right off the bat we're greeted with a glassman quote and this is a great glassman quote and we'll be talking about this for the majority of the conversation but the quote is be impressed by intensity not volume for those who have maybe not heard this quote before or are not versed in all things great glassman can you explain what he means by this
1: you know even back from an early day in crossfit there was a notion and desire to do more it's like anything in life if if this much is good more of that must be better and he realized very quickly it's not about how much you're doing but the integrity in which you're doing it and how hard you're doing it you know hence the intensity and for those unaware when we talk about intensity at the crossfit level 1 it's force how much weight you're moving distance, how far you're moving it, also associated with the reps over time. So it's not only a matter of moving more weight, it's a matter of doing it fast, right? You can make the weight heavy we talked about in other chapters and actually decrease your intensity. So be impressed by someone that A, scales appropriately and and really just works hard. You know, it's easy to stay at the gym all day and train for eight hours when you're doing it at 30% 30% of your potential. When you do a hard workout like your friends, your other short Metcons, you know, we've all done it. it. Leaves you flat on your back for an hour. That's what we're looking for.
0: And I think this is a topic that most gym owners, coaches and athletes will potentially always be struggling with. Because there's always going to be an influx of new people coming in. And those new people eventually get the idea that more training is better to get better when really it's, it's the opposite, it's what you just said. Uh, in the early days, was this as much of a problem or did it become more of a problem when the Open and the CrossFit Games started to become a little more prevalent?
1: Yeah, I mean, those listening, two, 2007, 8, even all the way through 9, before the Games became what they were, there wasn't this idea that I need to do more. We fell in love with CrossFit because we can work out for five minutes, feel like we've accomplished something tremendous and move on with our day and then all of a sudden it became well more of that more of that and like we've discussed you know we've done longer workouts we did these pain storms but we're talking more so about the people that would you know let's let's spend 20 to 30 minutes warming up and mobilizing let's then you know hit our olympic lift let's then hit our strength portion you know a back squat let's then hit a metcon let's then do skill work you know and it really came to a peak or a head if you will in that 2011 12 13 time frame. I do believe and I'm love to hear your opinion James. Do you think it's improving in the 2020? I don't want to bias you with my opinion.
0: I I honestly don't think it's improving. Oh th- really? That's different no. than my opinion. Yeah, I I I mean but then again I only see one one gym, you know. And I have glimpses of a couple other gyms, but I know that one of the, one of the things that we've talked about at Albany Cross for a while is that if we could get rid of secondary rooms, we, we would, you know, it's almost like having that extra space is a blessing because we have it and we can use it, but it's also a curse at the same time because it's always been looked at as the the place to get to, so to say, like you're in the main wad room, you see maybe some of the better athletes next door doing their own thing for open gym or doing extra programming and you're like, okay, that's where I need to get to to get better. And also there's a social element to it as well, right? You wanna be friends with those people. You wanna be a part of that circle or click that's within the gym. Uh, So I I think that it's, I've never really seen it improve. And I think that part of the problem for us is we've always had that extra space. I think we'd be way more successful on mitigating it if we had one wad room and there just wasn't space to do open gym, especially during the big wa times.
1: Yeah. No. And other than the fact that we disagree on whether it's improving and, you know, it's all s- subjective, right? I don't, I don't have data. I'm not doing a census and calling boxes. I'm, I'm basing it off of like you probably my main experience, especially when I was in Naples, it was, you know, not a big thing going on at the box at North Naples CrossFit, but then also, from teaching at level ones and level twos, just kind of talking to people and getting their vibe, especially especially the level twos where we have a really in-depth programming lecture and we talk about that. It's, it sounds like many boxes are, are taking a step backwards to the old school CrossFit. You know, when we were on our dropping in tour and and hitting all those boxes in Raleigh, I will say to to back your, your stance, nine out of ten boxes did more than one thing.
0: You mean they had a strength component and then a Metcon component? If so not
1: that? if not a clear you know, strength Metcon, some were multiple Metcoms, some were multiple strengths, some were combinations of both. Point is, it wasn't only one box that we went to across the Briar Creek hit. Hey, we're going to warm you up. You're going to hit this workout for 20 minutes, and then we're going to cool you down. And prior to that, we're going to teach you the push press or I believe it was push, press, box, jump, and kettlebell swing. We're going to go over that. And and, and that, I agree and with you. That's enough.
0: That's enough for the day.
1: It, be impressed by intensity, not volume, right? Like Pat Barber also said something similar. And if you're doing more than one workout, one of them is getting half-assed.
0: Yeah, Actually, let me
1: rephrase that. I think he said, if you're doing more than one workout, they're both getting half-assed.
0: But yeah, that, that sounds you know, a, little, a little more right. I, I, I know from observing people, in the open gym space where maybe it's been at its peak. Like right now we're all on the same program, although there are additions to that program where people will do extra stuff. But I know uh, in the past, within the past year, the main gym was following .com. And then we had like a sect of people following Misfit and another group of people following Comtrain, so to say. And when you look next door, you see them mostly talking Pearl a, a lot, a lot uh, resting a lot, and doing the workouts at, like you said, sub-maximal intensities. And I'm pretty sure that the person that programmed it, even though they programmed four or five things for you to do, still wanted you to, to push the intensity. So I think not only are you not getting the intent of the program correct, but you don't have a coach in there with you as well to tell you, hey, you need to pick it up here.
1: Well, yeah. and the, you know, the idea of that both are getting half-assed is say, you know, let's keep it super simple. We're doing a five by five back squat and then we're doing Fran. You know, you, you really have two, actually more than that, you know, kind of trains of thoughts. It's like, all right, this is heavy, but I need to keep my legs fresh for Fran. So I'm not going to go nuts. And then when you're in the middle of Fran, you're a little fatigued because no matter how light you went your legs are a little fatigued and you also kind of have that built in excuse mechanism of, well, it's okay that I'm tired today. Like I don't have to PR today cause I did squat heavy. So it's, it's that. And, and I think what I've learned from traveling the box is something you said that's true is all those kind of like annex areas, you know, and it, and it might not be a secondary space like Albany CrossFit has. For example, I was just at a box called downtown strength and conditioning in Miami and they have a great little layout in downtown Miami, but then there's this like little turn that you can take and there's a little extra room off the side. And whenever you have like those types of rooms, like you're suggesting, it's a space where people can do more. It's hard to yell at people like, Hey, I'm at your gym that I pay for and I want to exercise. No, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Right? So it's like that hard balance. But I don't think it's unique to Albany Cross, but I think a lot of boxes and and maybe it's just, hey, it's a square, but it's huge, and we don't use all of this space.
0: And and I, I would say too, it's it's always disappointing when you see someone who's coming to class regularly and they're making a lot of progress, right? But then they still wanna go into that other room and feel like a competitor, feel like they're that games athlete who's doing all that extra training. And then really what they did is they removed themselves from the thing that was making them successful in the first place. So you got muscle ups in class, you got pull ups in class, you PR'd your squats, your Fran, all these things. When you come to class and you're in the group and you're getting the instruction, then you go next door and I've seen people regress and stall and stop making progress and then they ask you well, i don't know what's going on how do i get better and the answer is you know the answer is
1: go back to class
0: come back to class yeah
1: you know and and not only from the improving perspective but also just from that fun perspective like the the whole magic is in the community happens in class so all of a sudden when you're training by yourself and whether it's purposefully at the gym or you're doing it in your garage, you know, that You when you don't have that person next to you. I'm, I remember a very specific workout at Albany CrossFit that ended with 10 thrusters at 115 for the men. And it was a noon class and Donna was in it. We've talked about Donna a couple of times now, little old Donna. I know that's probably not the best way to describe her. Hopefully
0: I, she never <laughs> listens to this. She'll be coming to find you. <laughs>
1: But, you know, 70-year-old Donna with a rod in her back was doing thrusters. I remember we bought her a special bar back then. It was when it was hard to find training bars. We bought her, like, a 15-pound empty training bar, and I was going RX. And I remember looking at her pick up the barbell at the same time I did, at the end of this Metcon, and I pushed to get my 10 done faster and unbroken to beat her. And it didn't matter to me who she was, what weight she was moving, how old she was, what gender she was. It was just like, I want to beat that person. I want to win this workout. And you start to lose that when you train by yourself. Like, that's the magic of the community.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you can put it down. You can put the bar down or the ball down or whatever it is, or come off the pull-up bar early, and no one's going to say anything. You know, but if you're in in class and you told class, hey, we're going to do these 10 deadlifts unbroken, And you see someone break and whatnot, well, then you're going to go over there. You're going to cheer them on. You're going to encourage them to pick it up. You're going to maybe adjust their weights because it's maybe too heavy. You're going to do a lot of coaching to get them to that stimulus that you mentioned earlier versus now they can make excuses in the wad. You know, they break it. All right, well, I'll go faster or, or I'll get this done better if I break it up into a couple sets, you know, that set of 10. And no one's there to say anything when someone should be there to say something in that moment
1: yeah and I think if if their people are li- are listening to this, they've either gone through it themselves. I did, or they know their members or their peers that are going through it right now. and you know in this chapter, we talk all about Kevin's journey through that.
0: yeah, so well, let's dive right into kevin uh, are we are we saying which Kevin this is? Are we nothing bad um, mentioned in here?
1: Let's not use last names, but you know okay he, this is a chapter where I did not change the name to protect you know. The innocent, or whatever they say on Law and Order, uh, <laughs> innocent. but innocent you know, and, and it's nothing but love for Kevin. Kevin is one of the, you know, there were there was a period of time at Albany CrossFit where that group of people that were trying to do more, and you know, always you know, kind of forming their own cliques, became a group of people I didn't really like. Kevin, even though at times he hung out with them, was never one of the people I didn't like.
0: And and this. For those who, who know the history and whatnot, the Kevin we're talking about is not Kehoe. It's not Coach sure. Ke- it's not
1: Coach sure. Kevin. Sure. I mean, so we'll, yes. Yeah, so you've significantly limited it down. Well,
0: hey, there's, yeah. only, there's only a fraction of people who would possibly be able to pick out all the Kevins we had. But I just want to make sure that people know it's not Coach Kevin because I believe we will talk about Coach Kevin later.
1: We, we, James, we have listeners internationally. They don't care which Kevin <laughs> yeah. we're talking about. I'm
0: hey, just, just making sure. And In by so,
1: international, I mean Canada.
0: Canada, maybe Mexico. <laughs> so, Kevin, he joins the gym. He's hitting the WADS regularly. He's at the top of the leaderboard. He's doing great while he's uh, studying for his nursing degree. And then he finishes up that degree. And now he all of a sudden has way more time. And he starts coming into the gym to the point where you mentioned to him, that it seems like he's living there. And you're starting to notice some things about his performance. Can you talk about that time with Kevin and maybe how you tried to guide him a little bit?
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's funny because Kevin joined and he was a very fit-looking individual. But, you know, those of us that have been doing CrossFit would beat him in workouts regularly. I remember specifically one workout that had handstand push-ups in it, I demolished him in because he just didn't have them yet. And slowly he started achieving these skills, you know, handstand pushups, muscle ups, and, and, and slowly, you know, or maybe quickly he became fitter than I was, but then he just started really, you know, it was like you said, you get that bug, you get that itch, and you're just like more and more and more. And that's what he did. And, but he was always limited to some extent by the fact that he had to study or go to classes. And then when he finishes this degree, all of a sudden he's just there. Like I would show up, leave, come back. And he would, it seemed like he would, Maybe he would go home and come back, but he was just there for hours every day. And again, like we've discussed at times, especially that like one to three o'clock time where no one was really there. So he was often by himself or maybe he'd wrangle one of us or another member to work out with him. But he just he just seemed burned out. Like that would be the best way to describe it. He he was over it.
0: Well, now let's let's dial it back a little bit and talk about this. I'm sure everyone, you know, many box owners and coaches listening right now have a person in mind that essentially lives at the gym. And there are people who you know, they're done with school, maybe they don't work every day, maybe they're an entrepreneur themselves, and they seemingly have too much time. It's like a CrossFit is the main hobby and that means they're gonna be training a lot and they don't have a significant other, they don't have maybe friends in the area, maybe they're new to the area, and they're just there too much. Is that the box's responsibility? You know, like, it is the box's responsibility to make sure they're being safe and not overdoing it and getting burned out. But at what point do you tell someone, hey, you gotta you gotta go play kickball. Like, you gotta get out of here. You gotta find something else to do. You're too obsessed. How do you deal with this? I
1: mean, I think to some extent, it's gotta be your call. You're the yeah. coach. You know, yeah. if, if you were coaching a team and somebody was stressed out at home, you would talk to them about it. If they weren't eating right, you would talk to them about it. They're they're your member. It's, it's a matter of how you approach them. You can approach it. I mean, this is not an offensive topic. Hey, Kevin, you're trading a lot. I love it. You're making great progress. I think you'd make even better progress if you were, you know, go back to that whole message model that we talked about. I see, I think, I feel I want. Hey, I see you here three hours a day. That's black and white. I think you believe that more training is gonna get you to the to the next level. I you know, I feel worried for you that you're gonna overdo it. I I wanna see you come in here as much as you are, but maybe spending a little less time hitting, you know, Metcon you know, whatever the case is. Yeah. But you know, have that conversation with them. As long as they know you're coming from a good place, like, hey dude, the gym's empty. You're not costing me money hanging out here. It's not about that. It's about you.
0: And now, you know, from that person's perspective, you know, It's either there or they're home alone doing nothing. Like they don't have, maybe they don't have anything else to do. Like I said earlier, they don't have a a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, they're new to the area. Would you maybe give them like a role in the gym? Like, hey, you're here a lot. You know, do you want to learn about coaching? Like, is this an opportunity to kind of bring someone on the team if they're maybe the right person?
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, someone's there. It's like they're enjoying it. Maybe that is, hey, we see you love being here. Is it because you love CrossFit or do you love training or do you want to learn more? You know, maybe we can bring you on if you, instead of uh working out from 12 to three, why don't you hit the noon with us as a coach, you know, intern, then work out. So you're kind of removing a third of his training. So th- there's definitely something to be said there, but you know, I, I've said this kind of in a joking way to, to many people over the years. I'm like, if you're training that much, you just need another hobby. Like I have, yeah. A ton of things I want to accomplish in this life, and I love working out, and I also love reading, and I also love, you know, spending time with with Roz. And I, you know, it's like if you want to spend that many hours at the gym, it's probably because you don't have enough things that you enjoy outside of the gym.
0: Yeah, and some people, you know, I think what we're we're beating around the bush here is they don't have anything else other than the gym. Like your place is so wonderful that it just becomes the thing. You know, like may, would you maybe give them like like hey, read this book, like and report back to me or something. Like, how do you how do you get someone hobbies outside of the gym? people <laughs> no well, hold on. Like we're joking now, but people get addicted to exercise, right? They get oh addicted. yeah, I mean they want to you know, be there all the time. They want to be seen. So it's like how do you gotta I feel like more than for some people a conversation might work, but I feel like there's some people that are just really deep into it and maybe they'll leave your gym, and then they're just going to go to the global gym and work out or another gym to work out. So, you might have solved the problem of them not being in your doors, but they might just go and get that fixed somewhere else.
1: And, and I think that's important to really have that Ford F O R D method with your members family, occupation, recreation, dreams, and to know that about your members, you know, to know, you know, with, with Kevin you with talking to him, I realized, okay, this is probably a short stint. At some point he's gonna, you know, I think after he finished school, he had to do like a residency or something, you know? So, okay, because I know about his occupation, I know that this might be short. Where other people, you know, that you may get talking to them like, well, my dream is to, you know, learn the piano. All right, well, how about you take 30 of these minutes every day, instead of working out, you go get a piano lesson. You know, you have to learn those things about your members. And help them is it your job and responsibility? No, but yes, to some extent at
0: at the, at the same time it is, and to kind of go back you know with the whole question of the uh, or topic of the open, you know a lot of these people don't under seem you know maybe don't realize that the people that they see at the games and at the open this is their full time job, and you know they don't have a nine to five like like all of the rest of us do. You know, training is life and those people have their nutrition dialed in and everything is planned around training. And if the gym goer doesn't have that, the average Joe, then that'd be something that they could also focus their attention on. Well, you mentioned right in the text, the first question you're going to ask them if someone wants to do more is, well, what are you doing with your nutrition? How's your nutrition?
1: Yeah, I think one thing I've learned over the years is when people want to do more in the gym, it's oftentimes in an effort to avoid the hard stuff, which is your nutrition, your recovery, your sleep. So they they think, okay, well, I can outwork this crappy diet. I can do more and not worry about what I eat. I I can do three workouts and have donuts later. When in reality, no, hey, you need to eat right. You need to support this training. So for me, when people want to do more and they tell me they don't know what they're eating, they're not tracking what they're eating, they're not worried about the quality, you haven't earned the right to do more than.
0: Now, would you put them on a specific plan? Is that a, an opportunity possibly for the box to also maybe uh, increase their revenue a little bit? Like, hey, we offer this, this service. Once you to take the service, first month is free. Get them on it. Get them on a plan, getting results. Like, like it's, it's, it's easy to talk to people about nutrition, but then getting them to do the nutrition is, is harder than pulling teeth. No, I would
1: say, you know, you're you're not talking to your members because you want to sell something, but if that's what it takes, sure, I would say you need to do whatever it takes to get this person to be at their best, their healthiest. And if that's I, our nutrition program, if that's let me sit down and talk to you for 30 minutes, you know, and if you're the box owner, you don't have the time, but you picking up on, on Kevin's overtraining, that may be, hey, Kevin, I'm going to introduce you to James. He's our nutrition guy. I'm going to introduce you to, you know, somebody else and and he's going to talk to you about mobility. So it doesn't necessarily have to fall completely on you as the owner or the coach. But I would tell you, if you see a problem, your, your goal is to help improve it.
0: You're going to use your team.
1: Yeah. Just, I mean, whatever it takes to get that person better.
0: Now, how do you get that person back into class? Let's talk that's
1: about that's a tough one. That's, yeah, that's an harder
0: question. than nutrition. This is uh, you have the person who and l- they've been out of class for quite some time, so they're setting their ways. They have a routine now that you know, like they don't have to go to the wad brief. They don't have to warm up like class warms up. They can do that twenty minute workout or warm up like you mentioned earlier and do all the band stretches and things like that. Which it's kind of funny. We we train to be fit for life. And in life, you, you kind of have to use your fitness at times, but we're, you know, it's funny how some people maybe spend too long warming up and it's like, you're, you're not using your fitness to get your fitness better. So to say, let me,
1: let me tell you a little quick tangent story on that. This past weekend we're at Wadapalooza and we had a really early start on Friday and I was sharing an Uber with Dave, you know, the founder of Thunderbro and Nate, our media guy. And we had so much going on. We're running around. We leave from the Airbnb, packed our stuff up. And I was trying to set up like a PayPal swiper to my phone, you know, so we can sell stuff at the venue. So I set it up and I must have just placed my phone down on the seat. We unload the car at the venue. We had like a suitcase full of books and t shirts and then my backpack days. We had coffee in hand, all this. And, you know, you ever reach into your pocket and realize your phone's not there and it sends like a panic through you?
0: Yeah, it's like the most terrifying thing in the modern world. So I reached
1: into my pocket, and it wasn't there. And I'm like, okay. I had like a little satchel, like a shoulder bag. I threw, you know, a man purse, if you will. Opened (laughs) it up. It wasn't in there. And within a a second, I realized exactly where it was. You know where it was? In the cab. In the cab. In the Uber. I put my coffee down, turned around, sprinted down the streets of Miami. And he kept catching every green light every green. And at one point I'm crossing traffic, you know, it's like seven 30 in the morning. It wasn't too bad, but I crossing traffic. I'm in a full sprint, James. I'm not like, this is the fastest I've ever run. He finally starts to make a left. So he hits a light and I catch up to him. And then this is, we, we, we did the calculations on blocks later. This was like five blocks away, full sprint. And I was saying like, I, you don't realize how hard you were working, how tired you were until you stop. Yeah, and, then, and I was like, Oh my I got there. And then I realized how I couldn't breathe. And I mean, I had been awake for 30 minutes and I went from zero to a hundred. My hamstrings were lit up, but you know, I was ready to go. And I think you're right. Like for so many people, you need that. I, people come into the box. Like I got to mobilize to do this. I'm like, that's a problem, you know? And, and going back to the that, other, that question, almost means
0: that the program isn't working.
1: Well, And it's like, if if you need that, like, you know, we talk about it all the time, do less better, do that, but better. You know, if, if, if you need to mobilize for 30 minutes, you don't need more programming. You need to learn how to move better. And for so many people, if they just stopped and learned how to move better, they would actually perform better. It's very rare that someone at the box level needs more volume over better mechanics. But to go back to your question, how do you get them back in? That's tough. It's like once you've had a taste of freedom, right? Like, like what do you do? But I I think something you said earlier could be what works, what does the trick. If you get someone like Kevin and it's like, Hey, I'd love for you to intern. I know you love this stuff. I'd love for you to have a bigger role here. You can make it mandatory for your box, you know, the coaches to take classes a couple of times a week. It doesn't have to be their sole source of training, but I know many boxes that make it mandatory that they have to take one to two classes a week especially the days they coach. So they see other coaches in action doing the same thing. So that might be a kind of easy gateway. Hey, I need you to take two classes a week. You can still do your own thing, but I want you to hit the programming twice a week. And then they maybe get that, you know, reminder of how much they enjoyed it. And then you can do some of those tips and tricks we've spoken about. Hey, on today's workout, I'm going to have you start two minutes behind class. Or on today's workout, you're going to do bar muscle-ups while everybody does pull-ups. Or you're going to do you know 135 on the thruster versus 95 so giving them those you know dangling those carrots and then making them realize and i've seen this happen like they come back to class and they're like wow i haven't worked that hard in a while
0: It's um it's it's it kind of reminds me of like the uh the level one like like when you're doing the the level one with all these strangers and you do the workout at the end of the day i won't say what it is i don't know if it's a secret but um I know that like I was way more sore after those two workouts um, just because I was pushing way harder than even in regular class because you're around a bunch of strangers and different coaches and people are watching you and you just give it everything you got a little extra versus maybe you get away with a little bit when you're in just your regular comfort zone so to say.
1: Yeah I I think that's the best way to get them back in just show them give them that reminder of of what what it was like and what they fell in love with originally.
0: Now, what are some appropriate things, in your opinion, to program that is extra for people outside of class? You know, you have someone who comes to you and say, Jay, I really want to get pull-ups, or I really want to get to the next level. You've already had the nutrition talk. What else are you going to give them? Or are you just going to flat out say, you don't need anything, just keep coming to class?
1: No, because I think for everyone, there is – there's like, you know, say you do an hour class, everyone has more in them, but that's relative to them. Meaning, you know, James, for you, it might be, hey, 15 extra minutes of work actually helps you, but we realize 30 minutes is too much. And somebody else, it might be 30, but an hour is too much. So you kind of have to figure that out. But I would say it should be primarily skill work. And, you know, and when I say skill work, here's an easy way to kind of define that. Like, the clock is not necessary. Like you might have a clock on to say 10 minutes of this practice or an imam of strict pull-ups, but it's not like a three, two, one, go mentality.
0: So it's it's not for time. You're going to do three rounds of 20 GHD sit-ups, 20 back extensions and 10 overhead squats with the bar, not for time casually between exercises, focusing primarily on technique as well.
1: Yeah. You know, and then, back in the day, one of the things we used to program all the time was kind of the uh, volume method for pull-ups where you do one a minute for 10 minutes, two the next time, three, et cetera. You know, so the clocks may be running, but it's not in an effort to get you to move faster. And if you, you can have other sources of measurement, it can be your heart rate, you know, so maybe people are wearing a heart rate monitor and you, you don't want your heart rate to go up too high. It can be just perceived exertion. You know, you need to keep this at a four to five, So there's a few options, but the point is it's not another, it's not another bout with intensity.
0: It's something to almost recover with. Yeah, I like that. what, what would you say to gyms that are currently programming too much in the hour? Let's say they're doing, you know, every single day is a different strength barbell move to some kind of max effort. And then there's a short Metcon right after so they, they never even really hit those longer pieces uh how do they rein it back in without an absolute revolt within the membership because the membership is going to start to enjoy what they're doing and that is the more popular uh, way of programming from a membership viewpoint everyone loves to do strength in a metcon even though it's maybe not the most efficient way of doing it uh, how do you rein that back in
1: well and, and to be clear, we're we're not saying never do more than one piece. Even Coach Glassman talks about that. And if you go back on dot com, you see many days that have even recently that have more than one piece, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's not it's just always a,
0: every single day thing.
1: Correct. And it's not always a strength and metcon. Sometimes it's a metcon and then strength. Sometimes it's a metcon and then skill work. Sometimes it's skill and then strength. So have that but don't make it your, the norm, you know, make it the exception twice a week. But I mean, really when it comes down to it, the way you prove it is by having some benchmarks and showing your members that they're actually getting fitter. I mean, you can't argue with that data.
0: No, it's like, all right, you, you PR'd your friend by 30 seconds. This is a big deal.
1: Right. We, we did a little lesson. Look, your times went down, your weights actually went up. How do you feel? Well, my body doesn't hurt as much. Okay.
0: Now, well, what about for the people that don't care about that? They're like, well, I I like to do all the strength work that we're doing. And then the MetCon, I'm like, I don't care about it. I'm just going to do it because I'm in the room and you're telling me to do it. But I hate that part. So that's not really as valuable to me. And that's why I like the strength in the MetCon because I get to do the thing that I like to do. And then I just kind of putter through the thing that I hate to do.
1: Yeah. And you have to find that balance of, you, you are the coach. You need to educate them. And again, it's like, hey, well, maybe your strength numbers would actually go up. It sounds like that's what you want. However, kind of what you alluded to earlier, it's, there is an addiction out there. And for a lot of people, this is their, you know, we talk about best hour of their day. Why not make it the best two hours of their day, right? So you, you have to find that balance of you're, you're right. You don't care. You just enjoy being here you have to take a deep dive to your ego and say, what's more important? Me educating this person or me letting this person just get away from their life for two hours.
0: Yeah. At at least they're, they're in the gym versus on the couch.
1: Yeah. Or versus being at a global gym, doing stupid stuff. Not that it's all stupid at global gyms, but you know, at, at least they're back squatting, at least they're, you know, doing these functional movements rather than, you know go to a global gym and, and and doing other things where they could potentially get hurt or where you don't have an eye on them at all
0: yeah you can still give them coaching
1: yeah now, we, could, we can still you know get them to move a little better while they're there
0: is that is that going to be the the title of your second book the best two hours of their day you just keep adding an hour every single volume
1: <laughs> <laughs> the best best 24 hours of your day <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> Which, which we, we, I think we did that once before, right? Did we do Alvin CrossFit, the 24 hour workout?
1: We did. Something like that. We did Mission Hope. Yep. Which I had forgotten about until you and I started talking with, when we, and we'll talk about it in our later chapters where we've talked about, you know, fundraising for CrossFit for Hope, uh, which was, you know, benefiting St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. But we did an overnight adventure race for our members that started with a brutal workout and there were workouts along the way. So I think that was probably the closest we came to the 24 hour workout.
0: Not that it's recommended.
1: Yeah. I mean, Hey, for a fundraiser, for a community event, once in a while, it shouldn't be your, your weekly training. regimen. <laughs> yeah.
0: So what do you think would be a good challenge uh, for this chapter on works? Uh, smarter, not harder.
1: I think it's, you know, as we've discussed multiple times, it's twofold. From that box owner coach perspective, educate your members. Find that member that's doing more. Find find that group of people that's doing more. Maybe it's, I need to have a nutrition lecture, you know, this week. Maybe it's, I need to talk about the importance of moving better, having some one-on-one sessions with people to get them, you know, improving their lifts. And then for that individual, it's taking a taking a look at what you're doing and making sure you're actually you know applying the idea of intensity over volume and you know we talked about it in other chapters as well like film yourself you know if you're if your squat is immature meaning your chest drops in you don't need to go on a back squat program you don't need to find the next smolov hatch you know best new program out of russia or east germany you need to improve your squat get more mature try to get your squat as good as James McDermott's, right? You know, chest up, knees out. So
0: tall task, a short (laughs) person.
1: (laughs) I would encourage you to, to, to look into that, you know, and, and it's something that you can really apply to many aspects of your life. You know, we talk about the do less better. It's really the same principle. Like what other things in your life are you trying to replace integrity with more?
0: Yeah. And, Bring it back to the basics. You know that there's another Glassman quote floating around out there about you know the the novices curse, and a lot of these people that are wanting to do more are still in many sense novices, but they're trying to get to that next level and they're skipping the basics. Like you said, they're on the small off program when really what they need is just squat therapy, a couple times a week.
1: You know, and and that's a great example. That's what I used to tell people all the time. You don't need you don't need to squat more. You need to do squat therapy. And here's People want the sexier. That's what they're looking for. Squat therapy is not only completely unattractive. You know, it's like you know, you you walk into a bar and it's like you, you found the least attractive person of the opposite sex. That's squat therapy. And you know, <laughs> it's pretty squat, harsh
0: for squat therapy.
1: No, it's true. It's like no one wants to. You know, no one wants to do it. But turns out that person's got a great personality and would make a great significant <laughs> other, right? And. They that's cook. They do. clean. Yeah, they do all the good stuff, right? They take care of you. They love you.
0: Or shoulder um, rubs.
1: And and that's what squat therapy will do. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you move better. But it's bo- it's boring, right? So challenge yourself. And I, you know what? I think that's a great challenge for anyone listening. Take let let's let, let's have a um, squat therapy challenge till you're done with the book, right? We're on chapter eighteen. So if you if you listen to one day at a time or once every one every couple of days you know, through the chapter 30 and maybe the epilogue, I'm sure we'll do a little recording there. Do three sets of five squat therapy. I used to say five sets of five, making it even more simple. Do less better. Three sets of five, you know, find that spot on the wall where you can squat all the way down, but it's a challenge. You got to really drive those knees out. You got to really arch your chest. Maybe find a buddy that can spot you so you can push yourself a little bit harder. Put that medicine ball underneath your butt so you have a depth marker and do a set of 5, you know, rest a couple minutes and do your other sets or even split them up throughout the day. Do a set in the morning with breakfast, with lunch and dinner. But that would be a great challenge and also a phenomenal way to show you you don't need to train harder, you need to train smarter. And I've got Perfect. a great video that I'll post of me teaching how to do squat therapy.
0: I was I was just going to say that.
1: Just in case you don't know, you know, in case you've never done it. You know, we we teach it at the level 1s, but you know, maybe you've forgotten what it is or you've heard of squat therapy. Most people doing it are doing it wrong. I'm going to put out a video showing you how to do it right. And I think that would be a phenomenal challenge for people. And that was something I, you know, I've talked about in the past, how I videoed myself, and that was really eye-opening. When I started to do squat therapy, that was eye-opening as well.
0: Well, I think that's a great challenge. And, you know, film yourself doing, you know, at least one set of squat therapy and tag Jay in it, tag best hour of your day. And get some feedback too, because maybe you don't have anyone to take a look at it, or maybe, you know, you're a coach and you need another set of eyes on you, who is also a coach and get that feedback.
1: Yeah. And, you know, squat therapy is one of my favorite things to coach every weekend at the level ones. We, it's mandatory. It's part of the squat breakout group, and it's probably my favorite part of the day because, you know, I can find someone and really make a direct impact into their ability to move But it's also, I see the light bulb moment and I love it. Like, that's what's like, oh, that's what they mean. That's what he means. You know, that's what this is. Because I talk about, I'm guilty of it. And I'm sure you are, you know, currently at times where it's like, we slap squat therapy on the whiteboard as part of the warmup. And it becomes this kind of watered down version of squat therapy. You know, hey, 15 reps of squat therapy three times. Like, that's not squat therapy. Squat therapy, the reason I say five reps is, because it should be like your five rep max air squat. If you're doing six, seven, eight reps, you didn't challenge yourself hard enough. So that's what it should be. I mean, I've my, my favorite story about squat therapy was, I taught squat therapy at the level one. To, I forget the kid's name. And for the rest of the squat group, he was literally, I'm not exaggerating, falling down, like his legs would buckle on him. And he was like, what'd you do to me? And I'm like, you just push yourself. Like, he was like, "How? That was just an air squat." I'm like, "You've never worked that hard," and uh, you know, he he loved it.
0: So, so you're wanting a nice, very slow and controlled tempo, earning positions along the descent and ascent on the squat.
1: Absolutely, yes, and and you know, and that's that will feel I,
0: different than just you know doing five air squats to the ball.
1: Even five air squats in front of the wall, because you need to find that spot in front of the wall where, like, oh man, if I don't work hard, my face is gonna like remember that movie along came Polly, where ben stiller's face dragged up that heavy guy's sweaty body like if if you don't lift your chest hard enough your face is going to drag down that concrete wall drag back up that's how hard it should be and ideally you have a hey ideally you have a level four coach like myself there spotting you but if you don't find yourself you know even just a buddy to put their hand on your back so you can really work a little bit harder and not feel like you're going to fall on your
0: ass get that spotter in there Yeah. So Jay, to recap and essentially sum it all up in one sentence at the very end of the chapter, you say, most people who want to train more just need to move better and get a hobby. Uh, Do you have anything to add to that or uh, any other thoughts on the topic to kind of close us out?
1: No. And, you know, and, and, and I feel like this is something that's kind of taken a life of its own when I talk about it and I probably get really animated and, you know, really enjoy talking about it so I get excited. I'm not saying you can't do more. I'm not saying no one needs to do more. I'm just saying be smarter about it. You know, if you're spending if you're listening, you know who you are. You know you're spending too much time at the gym. And and I get it. I love exercising. It's part of my anchor meaning no matter where I am, I try to move every day because it makes me feel better physically, mentally, emotionally. But sometimes that moving better is just getting up and going for a walk with the dogs. You know, sometimes it's hitting a CrossFit workout. Sometimes it's, you know, putting on a, a good podcast and stretching for 20 minutes. You know, you know you, you're allowed to exercise. You're allowed to move your body. That's what the human body is meant for. In fact, I think, you know, the, the human race is becoming too soft. Like, I'm not going to be mad that people want to work out. It's just be smart about it.
0: Yeah, don't redline it all the time. Don't do Fran followed by Karen followed by grace which i've seen that before i mean like, i've
1: done it you've done it like we get none, it none of those
0: and and we both know none of those workouts are being done the way they should be cuz uh, there's no way i'm going hard on fran when i have to do karen right after it and there's no way i'm i'm there's no way i'm holding onto the wall ball the way i should be for multiple reps when i know i have grace coming up there's this just...
1: yeah and, and, you know it's a different purpose when we know we're going fran into diana to karen we have to game it right we can't be at that 95% heart rate, because we know this is sustained for 20 minutes or more time and a place for that. But what, but you know what you're getting involved in, right? Versus like, all right, I'm doing just Fran right now. You know, and another great challenge, you know, in that vein is like, scale your workouts differently. I, I, I we threw out a challenge not too long ago for people to try to go unbroken on Karen using whatever weight that meant on the wall ball. And it destroyed people using a four pound ball. Like, intensity be impressed with intensity not volume if you do an unbroken karen hit that target 150 times you'll realize like that's all it takes like oh i now i get what they're talking about now i understand
0: i that sounds awful that's a good way to kind of end it jay thank you for talking today tomorrow chapter 19
1: Thanks again for listening to that special episode of Best Hour of Their Day. If you enjoyed, go ahead and download the book. You can check out the audio book, you can check out the paperback, or even the ebook. We place the link right in the show description. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.